everyone watching and listening. Today I'm speaking with a couple of stellar young men, Josh and Nick Alexander, who are both advocates for the Save Canada organization. We discuss their political activity oriented towards Christian ideals and family values, the abhorrent response from administrative busybodies, mainstream media and law enforcement, the threats and physical violence levied against them, and what their battle really means for Canada and for the world at large. All right, gentlemen, thank you for coming in. Let's take it from the top. Josh, you can start with this. So you ran into trouble with your school, public trouble with your school. How long ago now? Well, so I actually used to go attend the public education system and I got in trouble during the Freedom Convoy mainly just over the mandates and the vaccine requirements and all that. But I left that school and I went into the Catholic board and I really started getting in trouble around uh, October, November of 2022. So how do you know this is not just you? Well, I, I mean, I, we're looking out across the entire education system, you can see that any student that stands up gets in trouble. Um, and then I watched what happened just to my little brother last week. He was suspended for simply wearing my hat. So I know it's not simply based on what me as a person, but what I believe in. He was suspended for wearing your hat. Yeah. If we, okay, explain that. Yes, yeah, so we... It's a particularly evil hat, I presume? Apparently so. Mm. Um, it's, it's the same hat that uh, I've worn for, I guess, three years now. Um, it was an organization started by a bunch of students in Halifax, actually, and we picked it up here in Ontario, and uh, it was against the mandates, and it was just about uh, restoring a traditional culture in Canada. What does uh, the hat say? Save Canada. Save Canada. Yeah, and it's... And you got thrown out of school for that. Okay, so... Tell me that story, and then we'll go back to, to what happened with you. How, okay, so what's so, the rationale here for, you're wearing a Save Canada hat. So no, Why are you wearing- Actually, it was our younger brother. He's 14 oh. who got kicked out of school for this. Oh, was, oh I see. This so they're another, trying to get rid of all the Alexanders. All us, now, are yeah. you still in school, Nick? No, I'm done. I'm done. School. You're done? Yep. And what grade are you supposed to be in? I should be in grade 12. The highest you I should. have is grade 10, though. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's go back to the trucker convoy. What sort of what what were you doing at that point in the public education system and why did you get in trouble? Can you make a case make a case for yourself first and then make a case against yourself? Because I presume the teachers and the other hypothetical professionals assumed that they had some reason for giving you grief and misery. So why don't you lay out both sides of the argument? Yeah, sure. So basically, um, I went into the education system and it was obviously um, it, it was quite uh, crazy, the, the lockdown restrictions and everything that was going on. And as a young person, that was weird. We'd have the cops calling us for playing football with our buddies at a local park, right? And uh, so I en ended up just being fed up with it. And uh, a couple of my buddies at school and uh, myself and uh, a student named Monty Walker started doing walkouts in our school. And then it spread across the province. And... Uh, after that, we started organizing them for Nova Scotia and BC and all across Canada. And uh, our school didn't like that. They suspended us. And uh, they, Us being how many of you? Um, I think on the last walkout we did, it was about 10 students from my school. They basically told anybody who did, wouldn't put the mask on um, and joined me on the street would be suspended. And a bunch of kids just said, all right, that's it. Um, now, previously, we'd have like... Uh, we had about uh, 50 students coming out from the 300 uh, student uh, school 
and then we'd have uh, crowds outside from parents and stuff supporting. So it, it became too much pressure, and uh, the school just started kicking us out. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you started organizing those protests? Um, I guess I would have been 15. You know, one of the things I was surprised about watching what happened with young people was the fact that so many young people actually put up with it. Now, of course, I'm not young, obviously, but and and I might be deluded in my belief, but my sense is is that when I was that age, 14 or 15, the people that I was associating with in this little town up in northern Alberta, I don't think we would have put up with the masks. Now, that might just be wrong, but young people did put up with the masks and for a very long time, and you got sick of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody put up with it, and that's what shocked me. I'm from the uh, the riding Renfrew Nipissing Pembroke, which is famous for being the most conservative riding in Canadian history. I would have thought it would have been immediate, no, but apparently not. Um, and everybody just went along with it. That uh, it was the new normal, apparently, and uh, I wasn't okay with it. And I knew that there were some people who weren't okay with it in private, but none of them were willing to take the risk of, you know, maybe getting arrested or even like I would go shopping and I'd get the cops called almost every time just because I refused to wear a mask. And you get looked at differently when you're disobeying the rules as a yeah, young person. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, why do you think you weren't willing to go along? And well, let's let's do two things. Had you gotten any trouble in school previous to your political involvement? No, I hadn't. I was actually an award-winning student. For was, I received the citizenship award. Uh, I was previously uh, homeschooled, went yeah. into the public board. How, what, um, how old were you when you went into public school? Uh, I was grade seven, so I guess I would have been 13. Um, okay, so you were in the public school for a couple of years before the mandates came in and before you started yeah. raising trouble. Yeah, so I was I went there in grade seven. Um, I ended up like the mandates only started to come in right at the end of our grade eight year, um, and we graduated um, not in person. It wasn't uh, that wasn't allowed, but I received an award. I, I had a good reputation. Um, Why do you have a good reputation? Uh, just because I have morals and character, which is. Uh, not something that should be lacking in an elementary school, but mm-hmm. uh, it is. And uh, I mean, my dad was also a teacher and he had a really good reputation. He actually got to teach me in a couple of my classes. And uh, I, I graduated from that school, went into high school and uh, everything just changed. Just right, so you weren't, a, you weren't a kid with a pattern of troublemaking behavior who used this political opportunity to like elevate himself in status. That wasn't the game. Yeah, never. Okay, so what do you think the mask mandates and the lockdowns over those couple of year period did to people who were essentially your age? I think it had a terrible effect on my entire generation. I mean, you'd see the stats on the news about the suicide rates and the depression and anxiety or or whatever, but... uh, you could actually see it in person as a student. You go to school and they're like, it was, I had never seen anything like it. The morale was so low. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I guess people just didn't think it would have effect when you take young people, tell them they're not allowed to hang out, even on good terms. Um, and it just puts kids on video games and porn and social media and that becomes their life and it's completely unhealthy. Well, I, again, you know, I was trying to think about how I would have reacted when I was, say, 15 or so. Man, I remember just my, my, my father grounded me one weekend when I was a teenager, around 15. And I still remember 
being at home Friday and Saturday night when I wanted to be out with my friends, like that burned itself into my memories. Like that's not really that much of a punishment, you know, and I'm sure I deserved it, but it drove me crazy. And I thought, I just can't imagine what it would have been like to be, say, between 14 and 16 and locked up, essentially, wrapped in a mask, unable to communicate. It must have been, it must have been extremely difficult on the dating side of things too, I imagine for, of course, young people have sort of given up on that favor of pornography. So maybe that wasn't such a catastrophe, but. Yeah, I know, like young people, they just, there stopped being relationships, whether it was dating or just basic friendship. It just, it was all online. Um, And uh, that becomes a very serious problem. And then whenever it did return to school, you couldn't see each other's faces. Um, Mm -hmm. You had to stay socially distanced and all that. And I mean, it's it may seem like a small inconvenience, and to most people, um, they just allowed it. But when you understand what the greater plot is, and you're looking at it, it, it you just, I just wasn't able to tolerate it. Yeah, and I, I had don't to think do it something. was a small inconvenience at all. I, I think it was an absolute epidemic of tyrannical authoritarianism. And as far as I'm concerned, good at, good for you for standing up against it. Okay, so now how how did you decide to make your first political move. That was the walkout, essentially? Or So you were going to school. Were you wearing a mask when you were going to school? For the most part, yeah, I, w- I would have been wearing the mask. I'd still get in trouble because like, if I was not in class or something and there was no teachers around, I wouldn't be wearing it. But uh, I, I would, for the most part, wear it. Um, but I would still be getting called to the office. I even got called to the office once because a student reported me for not being vaccinated, which wasn't even a requirement at the time. But... Uh, yeah, it was. I, I would get in trouble for the smaller things, and just because I would voice my opinion on it, and you know, put questions in students' heads, like what's actually going on, and why they're forced to cover their faces and stay home, and uh, so yeah, the the, uh, the faculty didn't like that. And how many times do you suppose you were called to the office? Um, at like around the Freedom Convoy, it was yeah. almost every day, if like not several times a day. <laughs> okay, and so what were you doing during the Freedom Convoy? So that was really what sparked the change in me, I guess. I, uh, I had been semi-complying all, all the way around, uh, at least in school. Elsewhere, I didn't really care. Um, and uh, in fact, I got fired from my job for not wearing a mask and whatnot. But What was your job? Oh, I was just making coffees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was 15, I had a job. And Spread a lot of germs making coffee, you know. <laughs> So yeah, they they fired me there, but like I was I wasn't complying outside, and school was really the only place I was doing it. And then we went to the Freedom Convoy. You, we meaning who? Um, well, my brother here and uh, our friend Monty, and we even at the very end brought a few other students to uh, help out. But uh, and you went to Ottawa. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we were down there for a while, and it was weird going to the convoy and seeing everything free and everything normal and seeing the country come together, and then going back to this just depressing, tyrannical state. And uh, I had enough, and that's uh, we, we decided to start doing these walkouts. Um, mm-hmm. I, it was as simple as me. Uh, I think I just uh, put up a photo on uh, Snapchat or something, one of those apps students talk on, and uh, I just said, meet me at my locker at whatever time. We're, we're, we're done. We're walking out. Were you... Were you a reasonably popular kid at this point with your peers, or or had, or was it polarized? Like, why did people? Why did anyone listen to you? Um, I wouldn't say I was incredibly popular. Like, I 
I had a pretty good reputation still, but uh, um, my opinions certainly weren't popular. But I, I mean, in grade nine and 10, that isn't as big a deal as it is um, further on in life. But uh, some students, they like they did respect me because I was respectful even when I was being mm-hmm. shouted at by my principal and all that. So uh, I just remained calm and I gave the students the best advice I could. Um, in fact, I would ne- I would spend hours negotiating with the principals when I was supposed to be in class. They'd bring the board superintendent down uh, to my events and uh, I just, I would tell them. What were you negotiating? Well, they would, uh, for instance, they wanted to uh, suspend any student that walked out with me. Mm-hmm. And I told them, look, I'm the organizer of this thing. You're obviously talking to me for a reason and not every other student that's walked out. Um, suspend me, do whatever you want to me. Um, and uh, each of those students has a right to uh, walk out and you can spend me for uh, non-compliance or um, disobeying authority, but uh, I don't care. I'll, t- I'll take the fall for it. And uh, oh, yeah. the consequences are fine. That's for sure. Yeah, so Nick, you were at, in Ottawa too, eh? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay, now, but when, when the Freedom Convoy made itself uh, known... Were you still in school, or had you graduated by that point? I wasn't in school, so at the end of grade 11, I dropped out and switched to online school because I was running a uh, a welding business at the time. So I'd work in the days and do my high school online at nighttime. So, uh, yeah, I was doing it online. So what was your impression of Ottawa when you went there, and why'd you go? I thought it was incredible. It was a real break from the tyranny we'd been living under. And uh, yeah, it was one of the most incredible, uh, incredible few weeks of my life. And had you been politicized at all before that? Uh, no, I wasn't especially political, no. Hmm. And you, when, how old were you when you started your welding business? And what is that business exactly? Uh, it's Base Valley Welding. It would say uh, mostly agriculture equipment welding. So break a lot of, uh, whether it's harrows or plows, whatever it is that breaks down, I would do a mo- offer a mobile welding service, and I was 17 when I started that. Hmm. And is that a business that you're only involved in, or do you have employees? Uh, no, Josh is a co-owner, as is Monty Walker. Oh, yeah, so you, you can weld too, eh? I've done a little bit. He does the majority of the mechanics. We also, we would do, we also, like that, under that business name, we had uh, all sorts of different jobs going, and we'd uh, mm. just work anywhere and any time we could. This is while you're in high school? Yeah. Yeah. How's the business going? It's, we've had to put it on pause the last couple months. We've been pretty busy with, uh, with our current uh, situation, but we're looking at getting back into it this fall and firing it back up to life. So what, how would you characterize your relationship with your brother and, and how are you two involved in this, this trouble you're generating together? Yeah, me and Josh are very close. Um, it's kind of a, a triune, uh, trying to work in a triune way, me, Monty Walker and Josh and running this, uh, running a Safe Canada and trying to wake up the youth here. Starting a business can be tough, especially knowing how to run your online storefront. Thanks to Shopify, it's easier than ever. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Our marketing team uses Shopify every day to sell our merchandise, and we love how easy it is to add more items, ship products, and track conversions. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com jbp. 
Go to shopify.com slash JBP now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're at. That's shopify.com slash JBP. I see. Okay, okay. And now, so you posted a, a picture, you said, on Snapchat, Snapchat, and then you, you asked people to meet you at your locker, and they met you. This is the first walkout. So, so walk me through that. Well, yeah. How did you organize that exactly? You said in about 50, 50 kids participated, one out of six. Is that about right? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, we, I had actually, I had never announced a walkout before, or organized one. But earlier on in the fall, there was a movement going on. I, I saw it online and it was a walkout from your businesses and uh, your employment and all that. And uh, I said, I'm doing it. And actually three guys walked out with me. So we were four guys and then I think maybe six community members came out. And it was really small, but it was just like... That was this the is first a, one. This is a small initiative. I didn't start it. I was like, but I, I, I'll support it. And I walked out and a couple of guys followed me. Um, and then months later, we decided to actually organize them on our own. And uh, yeah, I, I had no idea what it was going to look like. The last one, three guys followed me. Right, right. But right. Uh, I, started to, uh, I started to hear some chatter and all this around the school and I'm waiting at my locker at the time and around the corner I see a bunch of kids holding the uh, the Gadsden flag and uh, Canadian flags and all sorts of stuff and uh, they had signs I was it, it was amazing to see mm -hmm. yeah um, you seem happy about it still yeah it why was, why are, were you so pleased about that well it was uh, it was it was just refreshing to see after watching um, you know, relationships get strained over the issue and uh, myself, be, like I'd be sitting in the office for like three hours a day just arguing when I should be in class learning and uh, I'd be getting yelled at by my teachers nonstop and um, like it just disciplined um, constantly. Mm, so and now you had a bit of a crew. Yeah, and now, we were, now we're walking out with numbers and we, we just decided uh, to go around and I had my crew following me and we just went to every classroom and said, all right, we're walking out, let's go. And students would get up and they'd follow us out. And uh, So they left their classrooms as you walked through the school? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how did the teachers and the administrators react to that? Some would yell at me, some would slam their doors, some would... I mean, there, there was a couple um, who wouldn't say anything, which I would, I would take their... Uh, their silence is a bit of support, or some of them would even be smiling under their masks while watching the students walk out of their classes, and they didn't mind it all that much. Mm -hmm. um, but, what uh, percentage of teachers do you think were neutral or on your side? Very few. Um, there was very few, but there'd be a couple. And uh, what was there a dis how would you distinguish the teachers who were neutral or on your side from the ones who weren't? Nowadays, teachers make it pretty clear what their stances are. They're supposed to leave politics and all that out of the classroom, yeah, but they don't. Right. And uh, like, I basically the ones that showed at me aren't on my side. <laughs> okay, that seems pretty straightforward. Nick, why do you think? What is it about your brother? Do you think that put him in this position? Well, I think there's a few uh, a few different things that attribute it, but uh, he's naturally a very strong leader. People will naturally follow him. And uh, why? I couldn't tell you. There's a guess. Guess. He's very intelligent. He's well spoken. Mm -hmm. He's very confident. People follow confidence, especially in a day and age like today, where you look at the youth. Mm -hmm. There's no you think confidence. It's a true confidence. I believe absolutely. You think he's competent? Very competent. Do you think yes. he's honest? Very honest. Very honest. 
He has long how does integrity. He, how did he learn to be honest, do you think? Well, we've had a fairly good role model from our father. Um, okay, so tell me about your standard. father. He's a uh, veteran. He's now a school teacher. Um, he's pastored a church. We started mm-hmm. a church when we were younger down in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he set a, a very high example for us. He raised us right, I, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, corrected us when we were wrong. Mm-hmm. And Do you have a good relationship with your father? Yes, yeah, a very good relationship. Yeah. You respect him. Absolutely. 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 Well, that's quite a lot of respect. Why do you respect him? Well, I mean, you look at our culture today, and the number one thing that's under attack is the nuclear family, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the Bible tells us gender might be attack under attack. But that 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 itself is attacking the nuclear family. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all of it leads back to the nuclear family, and the Bible tells us honor thy father and thy mother, and uh, both of them have been uh, excellent role models and. I love them very much, and uh, I, I respect them, and uh, they're, they're good leaders, and they've stood by me through all this, and now both of them are out of their jobs because of me. But uh, Yeah, yeah. So, Nick, maybe you can pick up on that. So, what happened, what happened with your parents? Your dad was teaching. Mm-hmm. Your mom, what, what was her job? She's also a school teacher. She's all, yeah. she's all, so you guys are really in this all the way, aren't you? Okay, so what happened to your parents as a consequence of the political action that you guys started to take? Right. Yeah, well, I think, I believe the board is targeting them merely because of our stance. They want to uh, retaliate in any way they can in their parents' jobs. Is government jobs are obviously the, their first target. Um, so they, dad was uh, suspended from his job. When? When was when would this? It would have been in last spring. I don't remember the date. Uh, I believe it was late spring. Okay, yeah. Um, and a few weeks after, my mom was also suspended. And what was the justification for that? So my dad was suspended because the on paper the justification was because of his online actions, which was funny because at the time he had no social media. It wasn't until after, in response to that, that he actually got social media. So when they put him on leave from his work. They said it was for his online actions mm-hmm. on social on social media, and he had no Twitter, no Instagram. So he, what were his whatsoever. online actions? He had none. It was a blatant lie, blatant lie by the board. And so afterwards, he got his. You can look up the date he got his. Yeah, his no, that's fine. And that's when he got it. He got it because of that. And uh, and yeah, a few weeks later, my mom was also put under investigation because somebody went up to her door and posted a pride flag on her classroom door, which no one has the right. It's, it's her classroom. There's, there's no reason to do that. So she went up in the morning, just took it off the door, and uh, she was placed under investigation for that. And, and for on, on what grounds? Touching the sacred object? Like what exactly was the problem there? The fact, I guess it's considered hateful to not want to... Flag they said she was a danger to students. And this, this was a kindergarten classroom that they posted the flag on. A better question is why is there a pride flag on the door of a kindergarten classroom? That's my that's my question, not not the fact that the teacher took it off. But Yeah, well, it's the mob for you, buddy. Yeah. So you weren't very political before you went to the trucker convoy? Not especially political, no. All right. So I, I, would, have had, I would have had fairly strong beliefs, but I wasn't, I wasn't very active. And now? I, whether I, whether you consider it politics or morals, I'm quite involved in what's currently happening. And how are you involved now? Um, we're running a lot of different uh, protests and uh, meeting a lot of students. We're really trying to wake up the youth in this generation because yeah. that's what has that's what has to happen. They have to mm-hmm. get a. You got punched here a little while ago, didn't you? Everyone thinks it was a punch. It oh. was it was a blade of some sort. I'm not sure. I believe it was a bladed glove. It could have been a knife, but a lot of the antique okay, so guys were wearing a bladed glove. Exactly what happened. Now, 
this was a recent protest. Yeah, June, okay, or so, sorry, September 22nd. Yeah, so tell me exactly what happened that day. Um, yeah, so we were, Josh and Billboard Chris obviously uh, organized a protest against gender ideology near Victoria's Park, I believe, right? Yeah, Victoria's Park Victoria's Collegiate Park. Institute. Yeah, and uh, so we had a decent decent turnout, not as big as we were expecting, but decent turnout. And there's also a large Antifa crowd. And right off the get-go, so we got to the event maybe 45 minutes early. Mm-hmm. And right off the get-go, about 30 Antifa across the street. And at this point, it's just me, Josh. Uh, were they all masked up? Masked up, masked yeah, up, so flags, brave, signs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're and really so, quite the contemptible lot. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. So Josh is doing an interview with uh, one of the media companies. I can't remember who it was. We do a lot of interviews. But as he's doing this, there's only about five of us there. We're early. And the Antifa crowd comes running up the street, crosses their side of the street, and just swarms us instantly, goes physical right off the bat. Charges into us. It goes physical, meaning what? What are they doing? Physically charging into us, pushing us back. And uh, there's about five of you guys? Five of us, yeah. yeah so okay. we're just, in, there's me, Monty, uh, Daisy Media, a couple of veterans for Freedom Guys. So we just made make a line in front of Josh. He's trying to do an interview. They're clearly trying to trying to get at him. And uh, so we're not, we, we never get physical back. We stand our ground, but we don't punch. We don't respond. We don't retaliate. So they're they're attacking us. One of the guys is actually on a, on a video. One of them has a baton. He starts swinging the baton. I caught the baton midair and chucked it out behind me. But uh, so that that was that was how it started right off the get go. And as this is happening, we're clearly being attacked. The Toronto police are there. They, t- they and we had a meeting with the liaisons about half an hour prior, mm-hmm. and they stated that they had a hundred police officers on the ground, um, mm-hmm. uh, sixty public order ready to go to keep things pe- keep things peaceful. So as we're uh, as these Antifa guys are attacking us, so we look behind me, I see all the Toronto police drive by, stop, multiple cruisers, guys on bikes, and then look, see what's happening, and speed off, continue, just leave us right there in the street. So uh, shortly after, our crowd really started showing up in numbers. And so once- How do you explain the fact that the cops left? They don't like doing their job, they never do. Well, it's strange, eh? Because you'd think, you'd think that the police, the natural sympathy of the police would be more- Aligned with what you guys are doing, you would, would think, especially after, especially after all the events of 2020. But no, not at all. They're they're uh, very much, very much favorable towards the uh, towards the radical left and their the violent radical left. You think that's top down command? Absolutely. In fact, I've been told as much by certain officers. A, a trend we've been seeing at a lot of our events is that the officers will make a line in between our crowd and the uh, and the woke mob. And the officers will be facing our crowd with their back to the woke mob. And I've, they, I've, they've said they're, they're, they're quite nervous. I've, I've been, like, I have a yeah. relationship with a handful of officers and they're nervous having that violent crowd behind you that knows no bounds, has no moral, uh, no moral compass. And no, it's absolutely a, a command from the top down too. So when you're being pushed and shoved by 30 people and there's five of you and some of them have batons, let's say, how do you keep your temper under control? I've honestly never had a problem, or very rarely have a problem getting with temper under control with that. There's, oh, okay. There's, they test you sometimes. I'll say that much, but uh, I think in the end, our, it's it's a lot. It's more important that we stay grounded and on on what we believe in and in, in truth and take the high ground as opposed to uh, yeah, the violent well, ground that they're taking. Well, that's an easy thing to say until there's you know thirty it, it people can be pushing difficult, you and but, yeah. being as provocative as they possibly yeah. can. I mean, and you haven't you haven't broken that be- before, eh? You haven't let your temper leap out and. Uh, I've I have lost my temper, but I, I, I haven't lost it in public uh, 
You haven't lost to the I'm, I'm a human. Well, congratulations. I think, all, I think we've all lost our tempers, yeah. tempers here and there. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. But you haven't lost it in public. How about you? No, I, uh, I mean, there was a clip that got aired on Fox News a while back. I was in Alberta and uh, a That's BLM, good. <laughs> BLM and uh, Antifa surrounded me outside of high school. Um, and uh, they just started throwing me around. They were punching me. A kid tried to set me on fire. They were uh, choking me with my, uh, I had a cross on my neck and they were trying to choke me out with it. Um, oh yeah, that's symbolic. Um, one of them, uh, one of the ladies, uh, the BLM leaders, Taylor McNally, I believe, uh, went into the back of my pants um, in this struggle. Anyways, the police run in, they arrest me, but I, I just have my hands up in the air while they're doing this. Um, and uh, th like, there's, there's not much you can do because uh, my goal isn't to run in there and fight with uh, crazed activists. Um, I want to get through to students and I want to be a responsible role model to them and be able to bring them the truth in a way that they will listen to it. So when a student watches me get attacked, not retaliate, continue to talk to them while I'm being attacked and then get arrested, um, be told if I come back, I'll be charged. Um, with? Uh, the, breaching the peace. Oh, yeah. Um, they interrogate me about what scripture I'm uh, using and stuff. What do you um, mean they interrogate you about what scripture you're using? They, uh, they, so they arrested me while I was handing out students, uh, handing out Bibles to students, and I got attacked. The police ran in, arrested me after watching what had happened. I had my hands in the air getting thrown around. Um, and then uh, they had me in custody for a while and started asking me about which, which uh, verses I was using and whether I had uh, violated a conflict bylaw uh, regarding the uh, alphabet community. And uh, Violated it how? Um, by using verses that would target that community. And uh, so that was a complete... That's fun. Yeah, that was a complete uh, free speech violation, but... Uh, no, it's worse than that, right? That's a freedom of conscience violation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a freedom of religious belief violation. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyways, that happens. They tell me if you return, you're going to be the one that gets charged, whether it's you that gets assaulted or not. Um, and uh, they even told this whether to my lawyer. Whether it's you that gets assaulted or yeah, not. Yeah. They said no matter what. They said even if I don't get assaulted, if I do get assaulted, no matter what, if I step back, um, if I walk back towards that school, I will be arrested. Um, and. I knew that I had to make a decision there because these I, I'd been there four minutes. These students were walking out. It was a walkout called the I Stand with Josh Alexander uh, walkout, and it was organized by Liberty Coalition Canada. These students have come out all the way across the country to support me. I flew down to see them um, and to uh, visit with uh, Pastor Arthur Pulowski. And uh, anyways, I go to see them, and I get arrested four minutes later. So... Um, I wanted to return. Four whole minutes. Yeah, I, I lasted four whole minutes in Calgary. <laughs> and then uh, I... Calgary has a pretty woke mayor, yeah. to say the least. And and the the uh, Calgary Police Department's just brutal. Hmm. But uh, anyways, I, I get released from custody. They tell me, um, if you return, you will be arrested. Um, and I said, okay. And keep your damn Bibles out of here. Yeah, and they yeah. told my lawyer, they said, uh, so yeah, if you're... Uh, if Josh just leaves the premises now, um, we shouldn't have to arrest him again. We won't have to talk again. And uh, my lawyer said, okay, talk soon. <laughs> so right, right. I, uh, I grabbed my Bibles, I went down the sidewalk, and uh, even more students, hundreds of students come out now because they've all seen me get arrested. 
with the police now following me as I get closer to the school, if I get within their boundaries, they'll take me down. And just before, I was going to walk right in, and just before I crossed that line, the whole crowd rushed towards me, and I started getting attacked again. But uh, I was in a location where I was able to maneuver around a little bit more and get students to talk to. And uh, we were there for hours just talking to them. And they they are able to respect your opinion um, more so when they've seen how much of a risk you'll take to express it. Who's more likely to respect students. your opinion? Students. And, uh, and uh, just how confident you are right, in, right. in uh, portraying it. And uh, so that was, I would certainly uh, say that was a success. But had I lost my temper, it would have just completely right, right. failed. Okay. One, one thing with today's students is they will follow... Anyone with, with, like I said, confidence and courage. That's really lacking in today's generation. So any youth with that, they will follow. Okay, so let's go back to when you got cut. All right, so you said you guys were there about 40 minutes before this yeah. particular demonstration. That, yeah. was, that was at Victoria Park? Yeah, right near okay. Victoria Park. Yeah. Okay, and that was, do you remember the date of that? Uh, September 22nd. September 22nd, mm-hmm. okay. So, so... You showed up early. There wasn't there very many of you. You guys got rushed. The yeah. cops were ignoring you. You were getting shoved around and pushed. Yeah. That's, that's how the day started off. Okay, so continue from there. We're experiencing a lot of global instability as we plunge into primary season. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all this chaos? The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, and that's gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold, and Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out and balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Jordan to 989898 for a free info kit with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers. I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Jordan to 989898. Claim your free info kit and protect your savings with gold. That's Jordan to 989898. Yeah, so we were there for, what, maybe two hours before? It, that, uh, that went on throughout the day. The cops refusing to do their job, us getting assaulted, um, went on, yeah, for a couple hours. And uh, eventually the cops, cops started actually splitting up our crowd. They kind of locked a smaller group of us behind, uh, behind the police line with Antifa behind us and the police on the other side and the other side rest of our crowd on the other side of the police line. And uh, which really isn't right, because we, we were the ones that arranged the protest. We talked to liaisons. We talked about it for months. We announced that we have a crowd there. We don't get, it's, it's not right to shut our side out because a group of violent, uh, violent Tifa have showed up and decided to take over the street. But anyway, so be it. So what good was the liaison? Absolutely nothing. So why would, did the charade occur? Why did they even bother with the liaison? That's a good question. Well, I had, I had bugged the police for two months. Um, in fact, I called them before, and I'd, I've organized rallies in Toronto before. They know who I am, and they know my name. Yeah, I bet they do. I, uh, I phoned them, they asked who it was, and I said, Josh Alexander, and they immediately had to transfer the call, and they give me to some uh, special constable, and I talked to him, and finally, like after two months of trying to communicate with these, these guys, we get a meeting on the ground the day of, uh, with these liaison officers, 
I inform them. I want the crowd split it up. I know that there's going to be a violent union-supported protest. And, oh, that's right. The yeah. unions came out right on the Antifa side, and so did yeah. Jagmeet Singh. Yeah, that he was, marched with Antifa. Yeah, mm, right. Yeah. He's such fun. Yeah, no. When when uh, that was on the twentieth, but uh, that day when Jagmeet showed up, he was uh, mouthing a whole pile of words at me and Nick, and he was making gestures with his hands he's, at he's us. Looking at doing this at us. He was, was he? Yeah, yeah. Were you terrified? Not at all. No, I was. It was entertaining. Yeah, he's quite the piece of filthy work as far as I'm concerned. Boy, he's got all the faults of Trudeau and none of the virtues. Mm -hmm. And the virtues of Trudeau is a very short list. Quite lacking. That's for sure. So if you have none of them and all the faults, boy, you're quite the piece Mm -hmm. of work. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So he was actively engaged with you two. What was he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's real heroic. You you think a political leader of one of the biggest parties in Canada would have a little bit more... Uh, decorum? Decorum. Yeah, yeah, you might think that, yeah, right? Yeah. If we weren't led by a bunch of, like, delusional 13-year-old yeah. girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's quite something to see. Okay, so so you the, the, this this protest was quite aggressive right at the beginning, and you yeah. guys weren't... You Not only were you not experiencing any real police support, you... You're, as far as you're concerned, they were actually putting you at a disadvantage. Absolutely. Okay, strategically. Okay, so what happens to you? So uh, I was standing at standing down uh, kind of behind their lines. I was in the smaller group that was separated, and they would allow, if my group wanted to go back and join my crowd, I could, but they wouldn't allow anyone else to join me. So I was just having, they were talking with some Antifa. I start sharing the gospel, as we always do, make a point. It's regardless of whether you're on my side of the, of the uh, ideological war or on their side, I still want to see everyone there saved. I don't want to see, I, I'm, I believe absolutely that they're all, everyone, all of us are sinners and we all need Jesus. And so I want to see all of them saved. So I, I was talking with them, sharing the gospel with so them. So what do you, when you sh- say you're sharing the gospel under those circumstances, what exactly are you doing? Telling them the truth. What, okay, how do you do that? By explaining to them that me, them, you, all of us are sinners destined to an eternity in hell. Unless, unless we turn to the cross of Jesus and receive his full and free gift of salvation, we will perish, we put, will pay the wages of our sin. It's, it's the only hope that, that there is for this world is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, his blood, his atoning blood. And so I was sharing that message with them, which really isn't a message of hate. That's a message of love. It's mm-hmm. that you've, you've wronged the creator of the universe, but That's he loves you. That's never a good idea. Never a good idea, <laughs> but we've all done it. And he loves you enough to come down and die for you to pay for your sins. All you, and offers you free salvation. So all you're you have trying to, do is to make that it. case in the midst of this melee. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and what do you think? What do you think is the relationship between, let's say, the positive relationship you have with your father and the respect for him that you have, perhaps with your mother too, your religious belief and your political action, as far as you're concerned? How are those things tied together? Well, I think my political action are based on my moral compass, my moral compass, compass is based on my biblical beliefs, the Bible, and uh, the outline set there for us. Okay, okay, okay. So let's go to, to when you get attacked, what, yeah. what happens. So, uh, yeah, I'm talking with them, and uh, we're, one of their, one of the guys on the front of their line dives out and tries to tackle me. So I kind of push him off. He's me. masked? Masked, they're all, always masked. The, the, the physical ones are always masked. Usually they all are, but if they're physical, they're guaranteed to be masked. I and see, so, I see. So do you suppose that the people who are masking up like that, like they're planning physical violence and that's why they're wearing the mask? Or do you suppose it's the fact that their mask disinhibits that, them when they're at the rally? That and also because I don't think they're proud of what they're standing for. 
I can go there without a mask on because I'm proud of what I'm standing yeah. on. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think the same thing. Yeah. It's like if you if you have to show up to your protest at, in a Hiding mask, your you're identity. a narcissistic yeah. coward, yeah. right? And a dangerous yeah. one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the police should be using that as a marker for mm -hmm. for true psychopathy. Yeah. Right. That's it's absolutely inexcusable. So okay, so this guy comes after you. Yeah. So he dives into the crowd. Just a little guy tries to tackle me, and uh, so I'm trying to grapple with him, trying to get him off me. I have one hand up in the air to show this cop. I'm, I'm not assaulting him. I'm being attacked here. So, so well, you're, you're protecting yourself with one hand. Yeah. Well, first oh, yeah. when he as soon as he tackled me, I went two hands on him, put him down, trying to get him off me. I have one hand up in the air, trying, yeah. to, trying to keep him away with one hand. And while I'm dealing with this, another uh, assailant literally dives over the over their line with whether it was a bladed gloves, a lot of them were wearing bladed gloves or a knife or whatever it was. Tell me exactly what a bladed glove is. It's a glove with blade on the fingers, a blades coming up the hands here, and a blade on the thumb. And so are those the, visible from a distance? Yeah. Oh yeah. So the cops don't do anything about that? Because I don't imagine those are legal weapons. Uh, I haven't looked into it. I presume they're not legal, but I haven't looked into it. But uh, no, the cops don't... Uh, don't do anything about that. We, which, and this isn't a new thing. They were bringing. We've had uh, Antifa bring knives to our events for a long time. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, yeah. So this guy dives across, and I kind of in my peripheral vision, I see him coming. So I back my head out of, out of most of the hit, and he just grazes across my. You can probably see the scar there. It's just it's five or six stitches. I can't remember what it was, but. Uh, and how close is that to your eye? I don't know, maybe an inch. And. Uh, oh yeah, that's pushing it. Pushing it, yeah. Especially I say for so. yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, yeah. so you now you're cut. Yeah, so I'm cut. I kind of stand up. I, I watch. I, I can't. I can can't see a lot. I have a lot of blood in my yeah. in my vision. It's kind of blurry. But what I believe, I the cops picked up the guy who attacked me and put him back in his crowd and kind of closed in all around us. Everywhere. They picked him up and put him back in the crowd. Yep. They didn't arrest him. Didn't arrest him. And uh, so I see the cops. Everyone's kind of closing in around me. It's hard to see, and the cops start ordering me to leave. I'm like, no, I was just attacked with a blade. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to stand there. And how so did I, they do that exactly? The particular officer came up to you? Like, how did they order you to leave? Yeah, well, they stared out. They do want medical attention. I said, no, I'm all right. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Perfectly polite. And, I, and another officer walks up. If you don't leave, I'm going to arrest you. So I said, I said, I have every right to be here. I'm going to continue standing here and talking. I'm on a public sidewalk. Every right to be there. And so I continued talking, continued sharing the gospel uh, to members of the opposing side. And there's this one girl on the other side that I was talking to. And it was like, she almost snapped. I saw it in her eyes. It was like, what I was saying was registering with her. I don't know if it was the fact that I just got attacked. I'm covered in blood and I'm yeah. still talk, trying well, to- Well, that would add a little more drama to it. would add a little more drama to it, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it seemed to hit home. So I just continued talking to her. And uh, there's a veteran beside me. We call him Wild Bill. He's a, matter of, he's a uh, combat veteran. He's airborne. And uh, the cops tell him to leave. And he says he's not leaving my side. And at this point, he's bleeding too. Because So what they did is they had an umbrella and they broke the umbrella off. It had a, a spear point like that at the end, not an actual spear point, but a very pointy umbrella. And they basically fabricated it into a spear and they were trying to stab us with that. And they caught him in the hand. His hand was all bloody from it. And uh, so the cops tell him, if you don't leave, you're, you're going to be arrested. And he says, I'm not, I'm not leaving a side. Don't imagine they were scaring him that much. No, I think he's seen a lot worse than uh, mm. Antifa and the Toronto police. But uh, so, yeah, they arrested him, placed him under arrest, and then 30 seconds later placed me under arrest. And on, on, did they tell you what the charge was? Well, that's a funny thing. So at the time, they told me it was obstruction. Obstruction they, of what? Of, well, that's a general charge, obstruction of justice. Um, how exactly? I don't know. And then when I got 
when they went to book me into the cell, to the holding cell, they told me it was breach of the peace, and they told the crowd that it was for assault. So, for assault. Yeah, so put that together. Okay, so they trot you off to jail, and right. so you're wondering what's going on, I presume? Yeah, I mean, I was on the ground here trying to do interviews, and somebody runs up, and they, they tap my shoulder. They tell me that Nick is being assaulted on the wrong side of the line, and he's trapped. Wrong side of the line, meaning? Meaning the police have like excluded him in with the counter-protest, and like he was saying, they blocked off certain members of our crowd, and at the time, it happened to be him and uh, uh, Wild Bill. So I run over there and Wild I'm... Bill. He's a character. He's ridiculous, man. You guys, Wild Bill and Billboard Chris yeah. and the Alexander brothers, right? <laughs> out there causing trouble. So yeah, I, I run over there and uh, I tell the police, I say, who's in charge here? Is there a sergeant? I need to talk to somebody. Um, and uh, they all just stare blankly over my shoulder as they always do. And... Finally, like I have a megaphone, so I just start using that to make it very clear. There's cameras, there's reporters all around me, and I'm like, uh, I need to speak to a, a uh, officer in charge. So finally, a sergeant comes up and he starts talking to me, and uh, I tell them. And what was the tenor of that conversation? Again, because we have this weird situation where, as far as you guys are concerned, the police, at least secretly, are somewhat predisposed to be positive to you. And so now you're putting this guy on the spot because your brother's arrested. Like, how is He, he the isn't cop? even arrested at this point. This is where I realize that something's about to happen. And I go up to him and I tell him, look. The, the policeman? Yeah, yeah. I, tell my, I tell him, look, my brother's across the line there. I'm the organizer of this event. I've been talking to you guys for two months. You've already kind of betrayed us here. And I need to go speak to my brother. So let me open up the line. Let me go through. If you want to bring an escort because uh, you're worried I'm going to start agitating, that's fine. Do that. Um, so they refuse that. They say I can't talk to him. Um, and they're keeping their line closed. And why can't you talk to him? They don't give an answer. They never do. But uh, I, so I walk away and I tell them, look, something's going to happen. You've been warned. Um, and then I start looking for an even higher officer and looking for my liaison officer, somebody that can pull some strings here and make something happen. Um, but uh, anyways, about 10 minutes later, um, as I'm doing my thing, somebody runs up to me again and they're like, your brother's bleeding. Um, so I go over there and I see the blood pouring down his face and uh, um, I ask the cops what happened and... Uh, I mean, I, I was pretty mad at the time, but I hadn't lost my temper. I was still fully under control, and I'm actually still conducting interviews while doing this. And uh, and then I get uh, a hand reaches over from the other side of the police line and uh, taps me, and it's Wild Bill, the veteran. And uh, he hands me his keys, and he says, uh, I love you, Josh, but they're arresting me now. Hmm. And I got to go. He says, can you hang on to these for me? I said, sure. So I take these. And, and they arrested him on the same kind of charges they arrested yeah. you, I yeah. presume? Yeah. Despite the fact that he'd been stabbed with an umbrella? Yeah. Yeah, we're both bleeding. And yeah. Yeah, so. Bleeding without a permit. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. crime. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you got a good battle scar out of the deal. So, this is true. This you know, is true. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so. Well, yeah, so he hands me his keys and... Uh, I look over at Nick, we make eye contact, and at this point I know, okay, Nick's being arrested too. I've seen it too many times. And uh, so then I see Nick get arrested, um, and uh, the cops are shouting at me now, and they're yelling that I'm going to be arrested. I'm not even on the, the other side of the line. I'm on my own side talking to them, asking what's going on. 
Um, and uh, anyways, they arrest him. They start, they throw me around. They actually grabbed me and fired me into a young lady while I was talking to them. The police did yeah. that? And uh, anyways. So what do you mean exactly? Tell, explain that in well, I detail. Was, so you're standing there talking to who? The police? The police, yeah. Okay, then what happens? And they start to move Wild Bill and Nick towards the paddy wagon, which is they have to break through their own line. They have to let, open up their line, let the uh, officers take Nick and Bill through. And uh, as they uh, get closer to the paddy wagon, I'm talking to the police, and there's some that are just standing around. There's some that are walking with, with the escort. And... Uh, Anyways, um, one of them just grabs me. I was wearing a, uh, a vest and a dress shirt. He grabs me from the vest and fires me into this young lady. Um, and uh, they start shouting at me. They were telling me I was going to be arrested. Um, Why do you think he did that? We all know cancel culture is threatening free speech, but do you really think social media companies are innocent bystanders, even when they hide your channel from search results just for expressing the wrong opinion? Nobody should have the right to silence your voice. Fight back by using our trusted privacy partner, ExpressVPN. Big tech companies track everything you do online, what you're searching for, the videos you watch, and everything you click. They match your activity to your true identity using your device's unique IP address and sell this information to advertisers for a pretty penny. But when you use ExpressVPN, these tech companies can't see your IP address at all. Your identity is completely anonymized. Plus, it's super easy to connect to ExpressVPN. Just one tap on your computer or phone to turn it on and you're protected. It's time to say no to censorship and take back your privacy at expressvpn.com slash Jordan. By visiting our special link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Jordan. expressvpn.com slash Jordan to protect your data today. They're just, I mean, a lot of them, they, they take uh, unnecessary violent measures just because they can't. A few of them enjoy it. Like they've been, right, right. they've been standing here in the sun uh, with a bunch of crazy counter protesters screaming in their ear, and uh, they're, and they're bored. frustrated. They've done their, they've done their crowd training, their their riot control, and uh, they just do whatever they want. And there'll um, be no repercussions. And yeah, they know there will be no repercussions. Look what happened at the Freedom Convoy. Um, Anyways, uh, so they do that, and uh, Nick goes in the paddy wagon, and uh, me and Monty, who is also on the ground, we go running after this paddy wagon. A bunch of students from the school follow. And uh, I'm trying to talk to officers, and I'm trying to figure out where the paddy wagon's going, um, whether he's being given medical attention, what's mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, Monty actually... On. Were you worried about him at that point? Well, or? yeah. I mean, it, it looked pretty bad at the time. Well, I couldn't tell if it was the eye. Yeah, yeah face a bleeds blood. a lot. And uh, there was a pool of blood on the sidewalk where he was standing. So um, he was littering. Maybe that was the charge. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Monty runs all the way down the, the road after this paddy wagon, all the way to the police station. He followed it the entire way. Um, I followed it uh, right till it was like around the school and there's a pile of students chasing the paddy wagon and uh, reporters and other police. And I'm like, okay, Monty's going to follow that. I'm going to go back and talk to the police, try to get charges, try to figure out transportation, get my crowd under control and give them an update. And how many people were, were there for your protest? Um, I want to say it was a couple hundred. Yeah. Okay. Um, like usual, um, there was a, a large counter protest, but we, we definitely outnumbered them. Well, you day. had all those union people there. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we outnumbered them, and then when the students came out for lunch break, it was it was much bigger. Um, and uh, anyways, we uh, we start running 
Now, was Singh at that protest? Or when we talked about him earlier, Singh we, was at the, uh, the the Million Man March on yeah, two days beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, um, right. And that one was in Ottawa. But uh, yeah, we uh, I, I start doing interviews. I finally get through to an officer. They refuse to file any of my reports. Um, I, I tried your to make, reports being what I tried to make an assault report, um, and uh, I tried to uh, um, in, uh, like uh, inquire about uh, my family members' arrest. Mm -hmm. um, and see where he was being held, because uh, I was his only point of contact at the time. And uh, yeah, they, they refused to talk to me. Um, and uh, th so that went on for a while until I just, I wouldn't give up. I kept following them, and I have a megaphone too, and a whole pile of students that uh, are uh, echoing whatever I say. Mm -hmm. So uh, there, we're, uh, we're just you're hard to ignore. Yeah, it was hard. It was impossible. So finally, um, after they have all these cameras on them, they know it's a really bad scene, and uh, they finally send me another officer, and they give me his uh, where he's being held and what he's being charged for. And they told me, they told me it was breach of the peace and assault. Mm -hmm. um, so, anyways, I. Uh, I just uh, went about, I addressed the crowd again, and uh, we tried to visit him at the station after the event was over. Um, and I got on the, well, first, as we're walking up the steps to the, uh, the stairs of the police station, the security guard locks the doors on us, on the, the station that's open 24-7. Uh, so there's a help number on the door, and I call that, and it's on camera. They hung up on me, um, and then they refused to answer any of my other calls. And... Uh, so then after waiting for about half an hour, I get another call from a police officer and they're like, you're not allowed in the station, but we can put you on the phone with your brother for a bit. And we got to talk on the phone and it turned out he was at the hospital and they dropped his charges. So you never were charged with anything? No, they dropped the charges, yeah, in the hospital. This, well, they, so they kept me, they took me, uh, like I was bleeding a lot. They had me in the paddy wagon for about two hours. Uh, and apparently, right when I got to the to the precinct, uh, I heard a couple officers talking outside the door, and they said that the ambulance is here. They wanted to check me out, but they wouldn't let the medics in for about an hour and a half before finally they took me out. Okay, so the, oh, so that actually answers a question I had because I thought, well, you know, you want to give the devil his due every time you can. I thought, well, maybe they bundled you away from the protest because you were bleeding. And oh no, thought, no, not at all. No way. That's well, no. the fact that they had the medics like hmm. detained away from you yeah. for ninety minutes seems to yeah. indicate and that medical treatment yeah. on your behalf was not the reason. Yeah, and the paramedics. So yeah, so they after about an hour and a half of waiting, maybe even longer, uh, the the paramedic they take me out to the ambulance. They go in the ambulance. We're still handcuffed in there. Uh, and the, par the paramedic looks at me and goes, "Oh wow, you're going to need stitches. You have to get him to the hospital." And at this, at this, it still isn't. Like, it's still bleeding because there's mm -hmm. there's a lot of blood, mm -hmm. a lot of blood loss. And uh, so the paramedics wanted to take me to the hospital in the ambulance, and the cop said, "No, that's not. We'll take him in a cruiser later." So they take me out. Wow. Yeah, they take really? me out, put me back in the paddy wig, and leave me in there. So for, they refused to let you go in the ambulance. Refused. Yeah. Wow. I guess I was too big of a threat to, uh, to society to have me. Yeah, in. fair yeah. enough, fair enough. So, uh, yeah, they take me back to the, to the paddy wagon, put me back in there. I'm in there for maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes before they take me, check me in, put me in a cell. Uh, I was in the cell for a little under an hour. Had you been in a cell before? No, I'd been I'd been arrested so before, but always new, a whole new, new thing. Yeah. Jail food's not good. They take your shoelaces. They, yeah, no, no. I was wearing cowboy boots. They, oh. they checked. They they said take his shoelaces, and then there's where they saw my boots and they said they aren't need to take. I so see, I, see. I guess it would have been a suicide watch too. But yeah, 
Uh, so yeah, the, I was in the cell a uh, little under an hour probably. So what are you thinking when you're in the cell? When am I getting out of here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was hungry. I was quite hungry actually. Um, so yeah. After, Were you upset or worried? No, I, I wasn't worried. No. Why not? I didn't have a like. What's what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to be locked up for a few weeks before a court date, and at best, I'm going to be let out in a few hours with charges dropped. And I know I didn't do anything wrong, so I'm hoping there's still a little bit of hope left for a justice system that I'd be let out yeah, with no is charges. There? Questionable. There's it's it's quite corrupt. It's quite corrupt from the top, but uh, if, yeah, it's quite corrupt all the way through. All the way through. Yeah, I guess if you get a good judge, you can be lucky. But so, anyways, they took me. After all that time, they put me in a cruiser and took me to the hospital, escorted me into the uh, into the hospital. I'm still handcuffed. I'm covered in blood. So I walk into a merge and like the people are start freaking out. I guess You're still they thought, handcuffed. Yeah, I guess they thought I'm a murderer. Right? A guy walks in covered in blood in handcuffs and police escort by him. And the uh, receptionist says, "You're gonna have to put a mask on." <laughs> 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 so I look, I look, I say, "I'm not gonna do that." And they, and they say, "No, no, you have to put a mask on. It's policy." I said, "What are you gonna do? Call the cops?" Good. So, you said that. Yeah. I said oh, that. good. Oh and man, so, that make the whole day worthwhile just to be able to say that. <laughs> and so uh, the cop, the cop beside me, just starts laughing. That's good, man. That's yeah. really funny. And so they let me through. They took me. Uh, Took me, I sat me down. I can't down. believe they told you to put a mask on. That's so perfect, yeah. eh? Yeah. It's like it's orchestrated. Yeah. 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 That must have made your day. I, I was, it was quite comedic, yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Okay, okay. So, let's go back a bit here to your parents. So, well, all these protests and so forth are unfolding, both your mom and dad, now they've been suspended. Okay, now were they they were were they suspended with pay or without pay? Well, they were suspended with pay. Um and then they were basically told that they have to uh, abide by the... Uh, by what? They basically have to um, comply with uh, measures that don't go along with their religious beliefs. It's wrong. It's harming kids. So right? in your mother's case, exactly what does that mean? So someone, here, someone puts a pride flag on the door of her kindergarten class. She takes it down. Okay, what is she supposed to abide by exactly? Is she supposed to put up a pride flag? Like, what the hell? What, yeah, what's exactly the issue here? What's she supposed to do? I guess she's supposed to publicly advertise sodomy on her kindergarten classroom door. Um, and uh, she's not going to do that. Um, and uh, anyways, they basically said that... Uh, I, I don't even know. They probably pulled up a bunch of different policies and they told them you have to abide by these things and it's all woke, uh, radical left ideology. Mm -hmm. Um, it's being forced on kids, which is exactly what I'm fighting and why I've been kicked out of school for over 10 months now. And, uh, yeah, th so, um... Well, you're the, getting an education. Oh, yeah, much better than I was at school. But, Definitely. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been kicked out since uh, last November of 2022, so... And what's the rationale for... I'll get back to your parents, but what's the rationale for your continued... Suspension, exactly. I mean, that's a big, that's a long suspension. I don't know what you'd have to do on the juvenile delinquent side to warrant that sort of suspension, but it would have to be something pretty damn serious. Maybe you'd have to knock a teacher unconscious with a metal chair, for example, like happened last week in the U.S., though I doubt if they'd suspend that student for 10 months. I guess we'll see. So what's the rationale for, the, for, for keeping you out of school? And this is so a Catholic far, school, right? Yeah, it's a Catholic school. Which makes school. it even more blackly comical as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because you think they might be on the side of the, you know, the, the scriptures. Yeah. Just, you mm -hmm. might, 
that, that, that was what I thought. Yes. Like I'm, I'm personally not a Catholic. I'm a born again Christian, but um, going into the Catholic board, I would have assumed that they would um, maybe sympathize with my views a little more than they did. But anyways, we get in there and actually it was on one of my first days in the school. Um, this wasn't why I was kicked out, but this was kind of where I realized that, wow, this is not a uh, very biblically based school. When my math teacher started saying that uh, creation was uh, a myth and it was all hypothetical in the Bible. And he started saying the entire Bible is hypothetical. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I challenged him on that a bit, but... Uh, As opposed to the unalienable truths of woke doctrine. Exactly. <laughs> so he... Uh, Anyways, that, that teacher um, ended up being the one, the, the uh, teacher whose classroom um, the debate broke out where I actually got kicked out for an extended period of time. And uh, it was because um, he was shouting at me, like, uh, I was in a classroom of 30 students. I'm in the back right corner, and I have all these students turned around on their desks and the teacher just shouting at me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what uh, did you do to provoke him? Um, so... Two students beside me started asking about an interaction that had happened earlier in the day um, because I had been uh, called to the office and whatnot um, because I uh, I challenged my uh, law teacher where she was talking about how um, students can be whatever gender they want and all that. Mm -hmm. And I challenged my law teacher on that. And that was something that uh, me and that teacher, we would respectfully go back and forth. Mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Non-stop. Um, from, from the very first uh, day I was there, the first five minutes I was in her class, um, she went on to say that the Freedom Convoy was unlawful um, mm. before it had even gone through the courts. So we, we started, that was the first one, and it just went on every single day. We'd go back and forth, and it was always polite, and it was always fun, but we never agreed on anything. And uh, anyways, um, some students heard that there was a, quite a controversial debate in her class the other day, or the other morning, and they wanted to uh, hear what happened. So these students are asking me questions. I'm answering them, giving my opinions on it. Um, and uh, the teacher gets involved in it. And long story short, he says that um, there's like 73 genders or something. And uh, it's a spectrum and we can be whatever we want to be. And I should explore myself. And males can breastfeed children and all sorts of just crazy stuff. And at, the, at that statement that males can breastfeed children, I, I respond to that and said... Uh, that's pedophilia. Mm -hmm. And this is where it got really awkward and the debate kind of started to turn. Um, he said, what do you mean that's pedophilia? And I had to explain to my entire math class that my math teacher was um, defending and promoting grown men forcing a baby to suck on their nipples. <laughs> and I'm, I'm in the math class. So this is, it's completely ridiculous and it's a pretty awkward topic to be having with all these students watching. <laughs> and anyways, um, he starts to get like really agitated because now I've used a fairly strong term. Um, and uh, he's, uh, he uh, tells me that uh, I'm just really not tolerant and mm -hmm. uh, I need to be more thoughtful in my surroundings. As it turns I'm not, out. I, and I, I, I don't think tolerance is a virtue. It's the virtue of those without morals, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I don't believe in tolerance. Um, at least not to the uh, the level that it's at today. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, anyways, I uh, I ended up quoting Mark ten six um, in response to a student who I've now learned after the fact identified differently. Um, stood up out of their chair, pointing their finger at me, like walking towards me, shouting in math class, um, saying that uh, I need to be more. Uh, open-minded and, and mm -hmm. people can be whatever they want Mark to be. Mark 10.6, what's the Mark verse? Mark 10.6, I said, God created the male and female. 
It's that simple. And uh, I said, look, I don't have a problem with you identifying differently or anybody, but uh, that's up to them. The board should not be pushing that. Teachers should not be promoting this stuff in their classes and lying to that's their students. Sure. It's harming children. And uh, I said, you have your right to do whatever you want to do in private, but don't bring it up with students here. And it, it certainly doesn't change biology and reality. Um, and anyways, that was it. That was the, uh, that was the, uh, right, the verse so that got me in got trouble. Out, eh? And they said that I was bullying that student by saying that. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that, that allegation has uh, been going on for 10 months now. Okay, um, and what's the rationale for, for the duration of punishment? I guess um, you haven't learned your lesson. Is that so it? actually at this point, they know that they can't justify kicking me out for 10 months. Um, so what they did is uh, they suspended me for in, indefinitely. They called it to an end after 20 days and said, look, Josh can return to school if he abides by um, our conditions. Mm -hmm. And their conditions were that I, was, I would uh, be banned from math class, I would be banned from religion class, um, and I wasn't allowed to speak to any students who identified um, as something other than what they were born as, and uh, a bunch of other smaller conditions, none of them which I agreed to. Mm. Um, I said, look, I've done nothing wrong. I've oh, stated... so it's on you now, is it? Because yeah. you're not abiding by the rules. Yeah. So I said, I, I've stated my religious beliefs. This is a Catholic school. If you don't agree with my stance on biology, let's open up your Bible. You, you claim to hold the word of God um, as, as the supreme text uh, in, your, in your own um, statement of belief. And uh, so I said, let's open up the Bible. I said, and he said, well, we can't do that without priests and uh, right. bishops and stuff you here. I said, bring them all. I said, to the Bible. I said, bring them all. I said, I, I, we, we will open a Bible. I said, we can have a whole conference meeting if you want. Um, and I said, we can do it Monday. And he said, no, we're busy then Tuesday, Wednesday. And we went through an entire week and he wasn't busy once or he wasn't available once apparently. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, okay, well, I've offered, the, the offer still stands. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, to this day, I'm happy to open up the, the Bible and argue with these um, <laughs> heretics. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyways, I, uh, I, they, they refused to take me up on that offer. Um, and uh, so they kicked me out. I uh, then got in contact with Liberty Coalition Canada, and they provided me a lawyer, James Kitchen. Um, and we went back and forth for a while. Um, just with the school board's lawyers and mine, and uh, they wow. said that uh, because I refused to abide by their conditions of return, yeah, yeah. I'd be excluded. Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay, I and see. so it's no, not disciplinary. You. It's not disciplinary. Oh, I know. No, that's but like my, a, my the actions against yeah. me with CP Ontario. It's exactly. not disciplinary. It's like it's just we well, don't trust you. Looks like discipline. It smells like discipline. It sounds like discipline, and it's in fact discipline. Yeah, but you're not going to use the word. It's like yeah. yeah okay. Did you know a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? And that heartbeat is a baby's only defense in the womb. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's where Preborn steps in, rescuing 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing a mother with a free ultrasound and allowing her to hear her child's heartbeat and see that perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just $28, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. And if you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you've helped rescue. All gifts are tax deductible and 100% of your gift donation goes towards saving babies. 
To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Jordan. That's preborn.com slash Jordan. Okay, you guys, we know what you're up to. And the funniest part is that they told me um, that the school board cannot exclude anybody, and that's why they have such an, an open border policy on all the washrooms in the school. Right, right. And I said... Oh, really? Then why am I under an actual exclusion order? Under yeah. the Education Act, it's called an exclusion order. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but apparently this board can't exclude anybody. And I've been under that order for 10 months, and they just informed me uh, just recently that I'll be under that order for another year. Another year? Yep. And maybe longer if I don't agree to their conditions, or if we don't come to an agreement. So what are you doing to salvage your education, or, you know, your credentialed education, let's say? At the yeah, moment? at this point... Um, for credentialed education, all I can do is, uh, well, I suppose I could withdraw from the school and try to enroll at another school, and we all know that wouldn't... Yeah, it wouldn't go that That wouldn't well. go very well. No, no. Um, you could do it, though. I could, and I've considered it. move strategically. <laughs> but uh, I've to- I uh, am fighting against the board right now, and I we went to the Ontario Superior Court of Justice on uh, whether I had uh, standing to appeal all the decisions yeah. made against me, and I won. Um, wow! Well, so, that's good news. Um, yeah, it was. It was a. Uh, it was, how are the legal? How are the legal bills going? Um, so that one, uh, that one obviously paid for itself because we won. But uh, like I said, Liberty Coalition Canada uh, supports me, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, they cover all the costs on that end of okay. the, against okay. the school. Um, but uh, we won that case. So now I believe it's at the beginning of November. Um, uh, I will be going into uh, a hearing, a two-week-long hearing. To uh, are you pursuing damages? Um, yes, we are. How much? I don't remember what the damages were. Um, my lawyer would be the better guy to ask about Approximately? that. Approximately? You know? um, no, I wouldn't okay. know. Okay. I wouldn't know the number. But uh, so let me ask you about your parents again. Sure. So you said to begin with they were put on leave with pay, and and what was the spacing between your father losing his job and your mother? Being suspended? Two weeks or so. Two weeks. Oh, wow. Convenient. You'd think they would have been more intelligent strategically than that. But my sense of the people who persecute in this manner is that not only are they corrupt ideologically, they're absolute morons when it comes to strategy. So it usually comes back to bite them. Okay, so they they suspended them both with pay to begin with. Yeah. And then they put these conditions on both of them. I presume your parents didn't weren't willing to abide by the conditions. So did they then suspend their pay? So at this point, right now, they're kind of in, they're just waiting because the board gave them that deadline to agree with the conditions. They didn't. They asked for an extension. They're working with the union. Um, oh, I bet the, the, the union same union really, that protests me. Oh, yeah, I me. imagine the unions are really working yeah. hard on their behalf. The, the union was in that meeting uh, that went viral. The, uh, my parents' union, where they were naming me and saying that they need to come to my protests. They've put out, they've put out emails uh, to their entire union saying, go protest Josh Alexander outside the RCC DSB headquarters and all this. Um, so we, we can already uh, figure uh, how much support they're going to uh, give my parents. Yeah. But that that's where it's at right now. Um, so it, it's it's really only a matter of time. Um, they're 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 just killing time. It's the same thing my board's doing too. They're, the time is on their side. Of course, just, it is. Yeah, yeah. They'll just kill. They're as not long suffering they directly from exactly. the consequences of the delay. Yeah, that's one of the terrible things about being dragged through a process like this is that 
it's 100% the advantage of the people who are using the process as the punishment to drag it out as long as it possibly can exactly. be dragged out. How old are you? 17. 17. You don't look 17. You look older than that, both of you. Well, that's good for you. You're not kids. And most 17-year-olds are kids. Lots of 30-year-olds are kids. You guys don't look like kids anymore. So that's, that's something worth attaining when you're young. So what has this done to you? I mean, or for you, and how has it hurt you? Well, I mean, it's certainly it's changed my life in every aspect. Like yeah. everything has changed. I'm no longer working um, the 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 same jobs I would have been doing. I'm no longer in the education system. Mm-hmm. Um, all my other supposed peers um, are still in 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 the system and yeah. uh, just going about their regular life and unfortunately complying with the. Uh, the idiocy that's going on within the board, and uh, I mean, I'm, okay, what sort of circle of friends do you have around you, or did you have around you? You've got your brother, you've got Monty. Yeah, I, I mean, after all this, and after we've been challenged on a uh, national level, I, I like to keep my circle small. Only yeah. the people I would trust with my life, right? Yeah. And uh, so that that's certainly not many. I mean, uh, I I don't have any friends from either of my schools. Um, you don't, eh? No. I, why is that? Well, I mean, at my Catholic school, I had only been there for maybe, uh, uh, I, well, I've been, I went in there September, got kicked out in November. Okay, so, so you didn't have a I didn't, chance to really build a peer I didn't know there. too many students. I yeah. already had a reputation as the, as the, the convoy kid. They actually, mm. the kids at that school nicknamed me Freedom. And, oh, yeah. Uh, well, so, there's worse nicknames. There are, that. exactly. So, um, like, I had a reputation. Kids were kind of nervous around me for some reason. Um, and uh, I just never, I never pursued uh, friendship that much because uh, I knew that education's ending soon. Um, I just had different goals. Um, and uh, I guess in that manner, I kind of kept to myself. But, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like, I, I also just seen what the education system produces. And what I'm not impressed produce? with it. It produces docile, weak, pathetic um, excuses for for uh, what should be uh, people that are just beginning to go into the world and start their life and start their family. There's no ambition. Um, yeah, well, ambition, that's all part of that patriarchal oppression. Yeah, like I'm everybody's getting that. married at 30 and divorced at 35. Uh-huh. and Childless divorced yeah. at 35, yeah. Talking yeah. about the education system, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Diogenes, he was the uh, founder of the Cynic philosophy, I believe, was, I believe he was, and he said that the education of the youth is the foundation of a country. Mm-hmm. So if that's the foundation of our country, we've got a giant crack line running right through ours because no, it's yeah. not in Well, good one shape. of the things that really struck me to the core, I would say, when I started lecturing publicly and and being exposed to a much wider range, not so much range, a much larger number of people, was the degree of demoralization, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. among young men. Now, of course, if you demoralize young men, you also demoralize young women mm-hmm. because exactly. you know we're in mm-hmm. this together. And the degree to which that was the case was really quite shocking to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I, I thought it through. I mean, boys in particular, they get they get pilloried when they're very young because their play preferences don't match up with the idiot, idiot, what would you call it? False calmness of the typical classroom. So that's a big problem. And then, of course, anything that's anything that's heterosexual is suspect on the grounds of 
power dynamics, essentially. Any ambition is associated with patriarchal oppression. And if mm -hmm. you manage to escape all of that, well, then you're destroying the planet. So that's basically your destiny as a young man, right? And any avenue of enterprise you might pursue in terms of ambition is suspect because all ambition is power and then all enterprise is evil capitalism. And, you know, you're pretty much left with no, with no out. Mm. And so... Well, so that's demoralizing, and, and I suppose I think it's purposefully de demoralizing because if you believe that human activity is intrinsically destructive socially and with regard to the biosphere, then you want to demoralize young men. So, so what? So they sit around and do nothing because that way they're like, they're like involuntary Buddhists, you know? And Their that, only virtue is harmlessness. That, of course, if, that's not a virtue. Exactly. And if you're part of the elite, if you want to tighten the tyrannical grasp on society, so to say, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to soften the men, because that's going to be your biggest resistance right off the bat. If, if you're looking historically, it's the young men who will be most uh, resilient to oppression. Mm -hmm. And so a, a direct attack on their masculinity is the... Uh, so so you guys are now trying to... You, you talked earlier about trying to work with young people. And so what are you doing exactly? What are your What are your goals and how are you organizing that? Well, our main... Recently, we the we've used our platform, like you said, to just go to schools, and that I mean, whether you consider it a protest or an event, whatever, we're able to interact with students, and we're able to. So, walk me through a typical event now. How would you organize it? Well, yeah, we just. How do you pick a school? I'll have a student reach out to me or something on social media. Yeah. Um, and how can they do that? Uh, well, they just they just message me and they tell me. Uh, Go. They they tell me what's going on in their school. How can they message you? Let's tell people so in case oh, yeah, they need sure. to message you. It's uh, on my Twitter's official Josh underscore A and my Instagram's Josh dot Alexander underscore Save Canada. Okay, so if they want to get in touch with you, they can do that. Sure, okay, yeah. so someone gets in touch with you and yep. then you organize something. How do you organize it out of school? Because of course the school isn't going to let you like mm -hmm. organize. So, the way we do it is we usually just, uh, we talk to the students, we ask them for a little bit of a layout, what it looks like. Um, and uh, if I can get in contact with a police officer or something, I'll warn them and tell them we're coming here. And then we throw out a post on our social media and it gets shared around a bunch. And uh, we just we just uh, show up and... Uh, show up where? Like where at the school, we'll just go on the sidewalk or wherever. We, okay, we aren't some, allowed some, to go on the school property. Right, so because, someplace adjacent to yeah. the school. And uh, there how are, many of those events have you done? Quite a few. Yeah. I don't are they know. growing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah rapidly. Yeah. They are. Eh? Well, like if you look at the numbers, our the first gender-related protest that we had in Ottawa was in this February, and I believe it had seventeen people show up to it. Mm -hmm. And the last one was uh, on September twentieth in Ottawa, and estimates of eight to nine thousand people showed up. Oh yeah. Giant oh, crowd. Yeah. So that sounds like exponential growth. Exponential yeah. growth. Yeah, and so yeah. so nine thousand people and that was to which event? Uh the Million Man March. We were we were kind of organizing the one in Ottawa. And so yeah, big like you said, exponential growth. Mm -hmm. People are waking mm -hmm. up. Do you think you're doing any good? Enough. Yeah, absolutely. I what think what are you it's, doing that's working? Well I think just giving the students in person interaction. 
they've all, a lot of these students have seen me online. They've seen me um, get arrested, but they don't really think much of it. It's just kind of a distant figure, right? Yeah. Something that happened, it couldn't happen near me. So what we do is we bring it to their school. We show them how real it is. We have the police and the public order units lined up. We have counter protests. They're watching the culture war on their doorstep. Uh-huh. And uh, they're watching it unfold. And something as simple as a kid taking a photo with me and posting it will then embolden other children, right? To what? To, to what? To speak up, because all of them are afraid, or even just in private, in discussion with each other, to share their opinions. Right. They're right. all so afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, How many provinces have you done this in? So far, most of what we do is in Ontario, mm-hmm. but we've mm-hmm. I did one in Alberta. Um, that was in Calgary? Uh, yes. Yeah. And then uh, I believe I did some stuff in Nova Scotia as well. Are you building an organization underneath this? Um, we're we're working on that, but it's it's been so busy. It's just like we're trying to just be able to run our events at the time and with uh, all the court dates and stuff. I mean, I've been arrested three times just since February, the first one being at my high school. And, uh, and then uh, he's been arrested three times as well. And Monty's been arrested. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. We, none of us have any criminal charges because we're innocent, but... Um, innocent. But it, it's... Uh, like that matters. <laughs> But it's uh, that's why you're being arrested, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, putting a subsidiary organization underneath you might be a good priority because you could multiply your efforts, you know. So, have you found other young men or young women, for that matter, who who are willing to commit to this sort of enterprise? Yeah, especially in the last uh, last month or two, a lot more have been coming out of the woodworks. Like we like we we said when we kind of started, nobody wants to be the first one to. Yeah step up and, and take the hits. But if we do that, people will probably follow us. And it is working. Young young people are, are stepping up behind us and following it, following us and uh standing what about for political right? leaders? Like have you have you been have you been reached out to by any political leaders? I mean we've already established the fact that the Jagmeet Singh is not one of your fans. Um I, Which is definitely a testament to your virtue as far as I'm concerned. But what about what about other political figures? I would say that the politicians have been the biggest disappointment of anybody. Um, there's, there's not a single MP that has yet, public, while representing the people, publicly said anything about what's going on. Um, and a lot of people, myself included, when I saw the, the Conservative Party um, elect their new leader, Pierre Polyev, I, I had a lot of hope. I thought this guy, like he, I, I had watched him since I was little. And uh, I, I mean, I knew he's really good on the floor with his mm-hmm. analytics and stuff. What do you think he should do? Um, well, I think he needs to speak up. He needs to speak for parents. I mean, we did that event he on did, September he 20th. Did, he did announce that he was on the side of the parents on Twitter during the million, what was the million? The million person march for million children person or march. Um, but the, the issue was he was on West Block Parliament, right? The morning of, he was there. Um, and he walked by and we have it on camera while the crowd's assembling for the march. And we, we actually had the crowd chanting for Polyev to come out. And just to have like a sense of leadership, right, in the political realm, and it doesn't exist. And it's like I recognize that um, it may not be the the wisest strategical move for a politician to get involved in the culture war, but I think that's also one of the biggest mistakes Canadian politics has made. The American um, American politics includes the culture war; it's one of their biggest talking points. But uh, um, here in Canada, it's like I said, it's just analytics. It's all the it's the uh, the price of milk and all this stuff that 
it matters and it's it's uh something that our prime minister is failing on right now but uh there's not enough there's not enough leadership and when i i got to talk with paul yes face to face often they're afraid eh? because mm-hmm. but i'm seeing that starting to change in canada because you have people you know polyev is 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 has is showing more spine than conservatives have in the past by a substantial margin. He's starting you have to. you have Daniel Smith in Alberta and Scott Moe. They're also pushing back to a fair degree. But you know, for a long time, the conservatives were intimidated. I suppose partly because the leftists are very good at eliciting guilt, and also because of mob tactics. You know, and it's the same thing: is that a conservative would stand up and say something that was relevant to the culture war, and then that particular individual would get mobbed and being mm. mobbed as you guys know is no no picnic and so that tended to put them back on their heels the combination of guilt and let's say fear of the mob and there is reason to be afraid of the mob you know i mean i know 100 people now who've been publicly excommunicated mm. let's say and the vast majority of them responded like they had contracted a near fatal illness you know they ended up in under psychiatric care or losing a tremendous amount of weight or, you know, reacting as if they're threatened right to the core, which of course they are. How are your parents responding to what's going on around you? And, and, and what, what, what it are, is your family like very well united in, in terms of what you guys are attempting to do? Do you speak with each other strategically? How, how is your family dealing with this? And are you guys still both living at home? No, oh, no. Um, I'm on the road like almost full time. Oh yeah, and uh, I mean, I would I spent most of the summer in the states, and then I was um, in different provinces and just all over the place. Oh, yeah. So okay. uh, we're from a little town of a thousand people, and there's not much you can uh, you can network from there. But right, uh, right. So we've we haven't been uh, living at home, but yeah, you know, I'm we're constantly talking. Um, our family's pretty close, and. Uh, I mean, and are you the only two siblings? No, we have a, uh, a younger brother who we were speaking about earlier, and then a... Right, uh, right. How old is he? He's 14. Right, and what did you say had happened to him? He was just... He uh, just got kicked out for wearing your hat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you marketing those hats? Yeah, they're... Yeah, they're, they're uh, on a website, yeah. That's which website is that? SaveCanada.shop. So if you need a hat, SaveCanada.shop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Well... Yeah. Maybe we can scare up some more purchases for your hats. See how many kids we can get kicked out of school for illegal yeah. hat wearing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's the plan for the future? Well, right now it's uh, it, it's hard to uh, predict what's yeah. going to happen. That's Everything's changing so fast. I have like countless court dates coming up, and uh, we. Uh, I mean, you do we have court to- dates for what? Well, I mean, I have to, I have a bunch against my school. I have to go back to Alberta for, I believe, like five court dates for the incident that happened at the school. Um, different, uh, different stuff oh, there. Yeah. Like, so again, I'm not tangled being... up in legal red tape. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. like you said, the, the uh, process is the punishment. Oh, yeah. Whether I'm the one being charged or not, it's still, it's like, it, it's a massive disruption to my life. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, Anyway, so we're going to be focusing on that. Um, we're going to be continuing to communicate with students. We're also going to try mm-hmm. to be. Uh, Is that your primary focus? The the expansion of your of your network within within high schools in particular. Right now, that's mainly what we focused on, but. Um, just because that's who we're able to communicate the best with um, because I am in high school and yeah. these students know who I am more than any other uh, group. But uh, 
as, as a young person watching what's happening in the world, my greatest passion is to be able to share the gospel and share my beliefs. Um, and uh, like Nick was saying earlier, that that is the only way we will ever truly be able to save Canada. And it's not us, right? Um, but uh, we, we certainly get to play a part in that. And uh, I want to reach people with the truth. It's more than saying that there's only two biological genders. I want, I want people... Sexes. Sexes, if you will. Um, but uh, I, I want them to be able to understand the, the truth of the gospel and uh, understand that we're all sinners, myself included, and uh, we, need, we need a savior. Um, and uh, so if, if, if that means that I have to do it in a uh, controversial manner with constant conflict, I will, because who else is going to go and reach those crowds? Um, and uh, I mean, they may hate us and they may call us hateful, but th at the end of the day, we're, we're sharing the, the greatest love story known to man. Mm -hmm. How did you get tangled up with Billboard Chris? Um, I met him at a, uh, well, actually, he just ended up posting about me on social media after one of the big rallies we did. Um, a pile of students came out of a uh, school here um, in York Mills Collegiate Institute here in Toronto. And uh, they, uh, there was a photo that went really viral of uh, hundreds of students in a circle with me. And they were, uh, we were handing out Bibles and praying together and stuff. Mm -hmm. And this was just happening outside of a Toronto school, which was the belly of the beast here in Canada, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And... Uh, so that was certainly encouraging, and it, it went everywhere, and Chris saw that, and he reached out to me, and we decided to do an event together. And this was around the same time where uh, his uh, assault in BC really went viral. So, uh, What do you think of Billboard Chris? I, I, I like him a lot. He, uh, he's, he's something that our country lacks, which is a father that cares. Yeah. Um, he, he is a, a role model that uh, young people could use. Do you, do you have any idea... What, how he decided to wear a billboard? Like when yeah, I was, when, okay, I, I want to hear that. I'll tell you. So when I was about your age, the guy with a billboard was like a running joke, right? Because he'd be the crazy guy out on the corner Sell. and the sign on there would say, you know, the world is ending and repent, repentance is nigh, the world is ending. And it was a joke, right? To, to wear a billboard like that. And it was a joke that everyone knew, an old joke. And so now we have Billboard Chris with this billboard on. So what, what, what motivated him and what do you think he's up to? Yeah, so basically what happened is he was watching what's unfolding and contrary to what most fathers did, he said, okay, I actually want to do something about this. And his first move, um, he, I believe he has daughters and he mm -hmm. didn't like it. And his first move was to put up a uh, billboard that said, I love J.K. Rowling. Yeah, um, right. After she when, spoke out. Right. Was that in Vancouver? Where did he do uh, that? I believe it. I want to say it was in Vancouver, but I'm not positive about right, that. Right. So um, he rented a billboard space. And right. it got removed after a day. It was too controversial. And he tried all sorts of other Yeah, because what has J.K. Rowling done for the world? <laughs> and uh, so they kept getting removed. So he said, you know what? I'll be what? the billboard. So oh, he just put it on himself. And he'd go out and he'd start conversations and it blew up quick. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, it blew up really quick. Yeah. He came from nowhere and, and became very famous very rapidly. Mm -hmm. It was a smart move. I see. So he decided to be the billboard because they couldn't take him down, yeah. or at least not so far. Yeah, right? so. Now, the, the event that, how did you guys um, jointly organize the event that you were at together? Um, 
he just reached out to me. I said, look, let's let's go to a school together. Let, uh, that's what I've been doing, and it's been garnering support, and you've been on the other side of the country um, going viral too, and imagine the effect we could have together. Mm-hmm. So we we put out this event, and I rarely do this, but we, we announced it like two months beforehand, and uh, that gave time for people to book flights and stuff, and it was really starting to pick up a lot of support online. And... Uh, Sure enough, um, the day came and it was, I had never ha- organized a protest where the, our crowd outnumbered the counter protest. And uh, it did. Um, and we had a massive crowd. And that was where? Was that in? That was in Ottawa. That was at in the, Ottawa. Uh, is that the one that Singh opposed? No, that was, uh, this was back in June. Singh opposed the one in uh, the Million Man March just on right. the 20th here in September. Oh, okay, so the first, the one that you did with, with Billboard Chris was before the Million yeah. Man March. Have you been in touch with the organizations, organizers of the Million Man March? Oh, yes, yeah. yeah no, who I, are those organizers? Who's well, doing that? Um, it's an organization called Hands Off Our Kids that started it. And uh, I actually first met them at the event me and Billboard Chris did. They all came out um, and uh, we got to meet them and I've been in communication with them. Um, I think they're just concerned parents from what I know. People that are sick of watching our country go under. Hateful, concerned parents. As Trudeau would say. Right, right. No, he didn't say (laughs) that apparently, apart from the fact that it's there like on his Twitter feed. Right. So I actually think the fundamental problem, a fundamental problem, technically speaking, is that the faculties of education have a hammerlock on teacher certification. And the faculties of education have been for 60 years, arguably the most intellectually corrupt faculty in the universities. To call their research appalling is to barely scrape the surface. The faculties of education generate one idiot piece of society damaging pseudoscience after another. And they've been doing that for decades. And they attract to, they attract the worst students who are in teaching for the worst reasons, often because they're confused and don't know what else to do, sometimes because they're pretty happy about the fact that they get two months of summer vacation. Dreadful academic records. Their standards are dismal, to say the least. And they're unbelievably woke. And yet, they have... a monopoly on teacher certification. Mm -hmm. The fact that conservatives haven't woken up to this, or even classic liberals for that matter, is a kind of miracle of stupidity. It's the same in the in the United Mm -hmm. States. The the education enterprise complex, the education propaganda complex, right, like the military industrial complex, has a hammerlock essentially on 50% of American state budgets because that's the percentage of the budgets that go to the education system. And so it's a complete bloody scam right from top to bottom. But the, the heart of the beast is the faculties of education. And if conservatives and genuine liberals had a clue, they would take teacher certification away from them tomorrow. And that would be, I think that's the Achilles heel of the woke movement. Because as long as they've got that right to certify teachers, they have control over a huge part of, of the political budgets. Mm-hmm. And so... And conservatives have been blind to this, well, literally since the mid-60s. It's a long time, right? That's 60 years. It's like, it's time to wake up, guys. Mm. This can't go any farther. So now it must be hard for you two to look forward into the future, eh? Because your lives are very chaotic and and transforming continually. It's like, do you have some sense of, because you're young. How old are you? 19. 19. So you guys are both very young. Like, Mm. what would you, your lives, they're never going to be the, 
the same. So no. you can just forget about that. But no. that could be a huge advantage. It's like if you could maneuver your way through this properly, carefully, what do you see yourselves doing a couple of years down the road? What, wh where do you want this to go if, if, you could, if you could manage it properly? That's kind of the question I get asked so much. And like you said, yeah. our lives are so chaotic. It's uh, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. I don't know where I want to go. And I, I'm kind of searching. Right now, my goal is to learn as much as possible while I'm young and improve yeah. myself or whatever is to come. Um, what do you want to learn about? Um, anything and everything, really. I've just, I'm constantly got my, my nose in the book now. So, yeah. Um, I've got a great reading list online, you know. I'll have to take a look. Yeah, there's about 150 books. I just there. I just finished your book. You did. Eh? Yeah. Which one? Uh, the, your first well, Twelve the rules. Twelve rules. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, no, like I'm 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 just trying to learn as much as possible, um, and whether I continue doing what I am uh, right now on such a public scale, um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to do that, and I I'd just as happy be okay to never be see a camera again, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But. Uh, I mean, it's it's really about uh, where the Lord wants me, and uh, hmm. I'm, I'm. How just do you gonna... decide what to do next? What guides you? Um, well, I mean, I I have uh, role models in my life, uh, people I respect, who I can ask advice for, right? And, yeah. uh, I can also, um, I mean, I spend a lot of time praying and stuff. And how just do you do that? Just uh, through uh, reading the Word and. Uh, just praying in general and how, keeping a relationship and understanding and trying to learn the uh, the Word of God as much as possible. So I've, I've been thinking about prayer in relationship to thought. Mm -hmm. So I actually think that thought is secularized prayer. So because here, imagine here are the components of thought, okay? So the first, the first thing that has to happen if you're going to think is you have to have a problem. Okay, and you have to admit you have a problem because why think otherwise? I don't think there's much difference between admitting you have a problem and adopting a stance of humility or being on your knees, so to speak, symbolically. It's like, I've got a problem. I don't know how to solve it. I'm looking for, so that's a lack in you, obviously. I'm looking for a solution. Okay, so that's the next thing is you're looking for a solution. You have to put that question forward. Now, this can even happen with people who are purely secular. So the next thing that happens is you you formulate the question and then you open yourself up to something approximating revelation as far as I can tell, you know, as you're, you're contemplating the problem at hand and an answer will arise. Now, that's a mystery. You know, people will say, well, I thought up the answer. It's like, well, why didn't you have the answer to begin with if you were capable of thinking it up? Where'd the answer come from? It's like, well, I thought it up. It's not, that's not much of an explanation there, buddy. The answer appears and then you have to critically assess it, right? That's testing the spirits, you might say. Critically assess it to see if this is a solid, if this is a solid idea or if it comes from sources that are untoward, right? Because you want to be guided by the highest possible spirit, so to speak. And so, and you can establish that in part through dialogue, internal dialogue, that would be part of thinking or dialogue with other people. But it is possible to step forward on, on a firm foundation, right? If you do open yourself up. It's something like you're, you're, you've got the humility that enables you to receive the revelation and then the quality of the revelation is dependent to some degree on your aim. And so if you're aiming up and you're attempting to abide by the truth, then the spirit that makes itself manifest to you in that revelation, let's say, will be reliable. 
right? And then you can feel your way forward one step at a time and not make a mistake. You can do that with your words if you're very careful. Both of you guys, you're very careful speakers. You know, I didn't see any sign in either of you during this conversation that you were taking liberty with your speech. And you're like, you're actually in a position of some temptation because you have so much public attention focused on you. You know, there's always the possibility that whatever flaws you have will be magnified by that, especially the case when you're young because, you know, you don't have a tremendous amount of experience and all of a sudden now you're in the public light. But I haven't seen any of that emerge in our conversation. And you, maybe you've been pounded down hard enough by everything that's happened to you to keep you properly humble, you know, hopefully, right? Because with all the attention that's focused on you, you could make some pretty spectacular errors if you mm -hmm. wanted to be incautious, yeah. mm -hmm. right? high probability outcome. Mm. So, okay, so you don't know, you're trying to learn. Well, that's good, that's good. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a tough one to see, to see through, right? Because things are so crazy in Canada at the moment, it's not obvious mm. at all what the appropriate pathway forward is. No, and so what's, okay, so what's on the immediate horizon? On the immediate horizon, um there's, uh, well, we've got a couple other protests probably. We uh, haven't announced them yet, but they'll be coming out very now shortly. How can people keep track of your activities? I We post it all on uh, mainly my social media. And tell is, people that again. It's the uh, find out. Twitter, official Josh underscore A, and uh, Instagram's Josh.Alexander underscore Safe Canada. So it's Twitter and Instagram yeah, that you're using mainly. most. Yeah, do you um, use YouTube at all? No, but we are starting a YouTube channel. We're I'm yeah. looking to uh, to start a show, so I guess that one is uh, going to be uh, um, something in the near future. Yeah, well, there's a niche, you know, that isn't occupied in Canada. One of the things you guys could do on YouTube, and you've probably got the social reach to manage it, is to start doing an interview series with people who are in high school, mm -hmm. right, to talk about serious issues, but among people who are really young. Like I can see a bit of a cultural transformation starting to take place, mm -hmm. tilting younger people more towards a more classic conservatism, but it's really young people, right? It's not people in their mm -hmm. 20s even, mm -hmm. it's people who are, Teenagers. well, maybe your age or younger. And so there's a market there and you have enough reach to already start to publicize that. And I haven't seen anything like that in Canada. There's the odd YouTube channel in the US where young people are talking to other mm -hmm. young people, but you're in a prime position to do that. And the thing about YouTube is that you can have long and serious conversations, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and so it'd be interesting. I, I'm not mm -hmm. giving you any advice because you've got enough things on your plate, but you're already using social media and you're, you're not taking advantage of the, at, at least at the moment, of the place where long-form discussion yeah. is most mm -hmm. possible, right? And it'd be very useful for young people to see a place where serious discussion on ethical and political mm -hmm. matters would actually be possible. And YouTube's a miracle for that, right? Because mm. there's no cost of entry. And so, yeah. Is there anything you guys want to say in closing? You know, you're going to be talking to a lot of young people in Canada. Nick, let's start with you. Like, you've got all your peers out there, young men like you. What do you want to tell them? Stand up, be a man, uh, do your duty as a man, and uh, don't bow to the woke mob. And what's the advantage of that? You have honor. What's the advantage Save. of that? You have self-respect. You have respect. Yeah, right. genuine self-respect, right? Not and, this false self-esteem. Yeah. And we're all going to have kids in this world someday. And I don't know. I don't know everyone else, but I don't want to bring kids into a world like this, how it is right now. So, if we can change it, and we can make a change right now. I think it's imperative that we uh, we stand up and make that change. What's been the okay? So, so you've 
done what you could to speak your mind. You said the advantage to that, at least in part, is self-respect. What do you think that means, that that self-respect that's associated with your willingness to put what you believe to be true forward? Why do you think that imbues you with self-respect? Because I know I'm morally standing on the right right side of what's happening. Because the morals I'm standing for are based on the word of God, which is the foundation of my life. So I talked to this guy, Jonathan Paggio. Paggio's worth following, by the way. He's probably the deepest religious thinker I've ever met. He's got an uncanny eye for patterns and for, for narrative interpretation. He said, you're supposed to orient yourself ethically in two dimensions. So one is collective, right? It's like, in order to get along in the world, we have to agree with one another, at least to some degree. Yes, at least to some degree, right? Because otherwise it's fractiousness and conflict. And so part of what you're doing when you're seeing if you're orienting yourself properly is to see if you can pull other people into voluntary agreement with you. Now, the problem with that is that that's the crowd, Mm -hmm. you know, and the crowd can go insane from Mm -hmm. time to time and clearly does. Absolutely. So, So then... The, the consensus per se can't be the only dimension of mm-hmm. ethical orientation. And so there's a horizontal axis of ethical orientation that'd be associated with Jacob's ladder. And the mountain image in the Old Testament is actually a representation, at least in part, of the consensus dimension and the, and the transcendent dimension. And so to orient yourself, you need, an, uh, you need what would you say, an alliance with with what's traditional and religious, and mm-hmm. you need an alliance with your social community Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You so have to be able to function in society. And yeah, right, right. Well, be, a, be a good man as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm, yeah. You need to have those two dimensions mm-hmm. working simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, Josh, you, you've, what, do you, what do you have to say to young men, young women for that matter, too? And are you talking more to young men, would you say, or are you talking more to young women? Do you know? I mean, I'm talking to everybody, and it's not just young people. My message is mainly yeah. focused on young people, but I think everybody um, could listen to this advice, and it's not that I'm full of wisdom. You just have to look at a, a history book, look how culture um, and societies uh, functioned um, and were successful. And it, it, it was a lot of it was founded in the nuclear family, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was founded in the truth. And uh, like he was said, as, as a young man, I want to have self-respect mm-hmm. um, and honest self-respect. Um, and in order to do that, I need to I need to uh, fight for the truth. And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, you're going to face persecution for standing up for what's right. We're in a world yeah, of yeah. You're going to face That's persecution true. for not standing up for it too, though. That's you know, true. you bet, yeah. man. This yeah. is the thing people don't understand, mm-hmm. especially when things start to destabilize. Is you're screwed both ways. Yeah. And so you can just accept that and think, well, fine. Then I'll I'll stick to the truth and I'll take my I'll take my chances with that side of the mm. equation. And mm. there's no trouble-free pathway through life. Mm. You can just dispense with that idea instantly. This is why the security seeking that people engage in when they don't say something with when they have something to say is so counterproductive. It's like, well, if you keep your mouth shut, you won't get in trouble in the next ten seconds. Mm. But the next five years yeah, might be kind of dismal. Yeah. Right, as everything you love falls apart and, and you pull everyone along with you into the cowardly abyss, it's like you might as well just say what you have to say right now and get it over with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's suffer now or suffer later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's suffer now somewhat with a certain degree of honor, let's say, or suffer much more and much more invisibly and with a lot more people later. Yeah, that's a stupid deal. Yeah. So, yeah, and you sacrifice your soul on that pathway too, and that's not a very good idea. 
Exactly. So, mm-hmm. And yeah, I believe like I believe that this life is such a small portion. I, I truly believe that we're just pilgrims here, and we have an eternity to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would encourage any young person to, um, I mean, exercise and maintain self discipline, um, learn as much as possible, and uh, get on the winning side. I mean, uh, as as a Christian, I know that. We've already won. We're fighting from victory and not for it. Um, and uh, when uh, Christ paid the, the price on the cross, that was it. Uh, it. It is finished. That's what he said. And it, it is, uh, it, it's, it's quite encouraging to know that. Um, and uh, so what happens, we win. Christ I, already paid the price for us. We've already won. He's, our sins are paid for. So, so uh, all, all I can do is continue to fight for what is right and try to encourage um, other people, uh, young and old, to, uh, to quit running towards eternal damnation, repent of what they've done wrong, and, uh, and uh, join the winning side. Um, and uh, like, like you said, it's, it, 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 uh, it, you will face a little bit of suffering now, but it's a lot better than eternal torment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and separation from God. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I would con- I would certainly encourage everybody to uh, um, uphold the truth um, and uh, focus on improving themselves just in their own life, but also uh, uh, sparking change in a world that is just spinning out of control right now. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen. Very nice talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for having so, us. Thank you, everybody, who's watching and listening. Your time and attention is always much appreciated. And to the Daily Wire folks for making these conversations both straightforward and and simple and professionally produced, I appreciate that very much. Um, Taking obstacles out of my path on a continual basis so that I can do this regularly. Um, To the film crew here in Toronto, thanks for your help today, guys. It's much appreciated as well. And... um, you guys know, most of you who are watching, I'll do another half an hour with uh, these two gentlemen behind the Daily Wire Plus platform. I don't know exactly know what we're going to talk about, but I'll figure that out when we get there. So we've got a lot more to delve into. So if you're inclined to join us on that side of the world, please do. And your support there is also very much appreciated. Bye-bye, guys. 